If you need a laugh, here on your behalf It's bad mates, are we fighting crime? Or just wasting time? It's bad mates, lunch, boom, crash, kapow Stream a download, holy cow You can stop listening now to bad mates Because we're bad mates Hello and welcome to Batmates, the most scientifically accurate Batman podcast. My name is Becca, and to quote Mary Shelley, Life and death appeared to me ideal bounds, which I should first break through and pour a torrent of light into our dark world. My name is Josh, and to quote Colin Clive, It's alive! It's alive! By God, now I know what it feels to be God! You do? Yes. Good, I'm glad. Uh, so welcome back. Um, this is actually part three of an arc. We did an arc for you guys. Yeah, if you want to hear the rest of it, go back and listen to The Death of Alfred. Mm-hmm. You can also listen to the middle episode, which was The Grasshopper Gang and The Outsider. That'll give you a little bit more context as to what we're going to talk about this episode. So, yeah, we're doing a whole continuity thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to jump right into the comic? Yeah, I mean, it's not like this was like a big weekend news. Pretty quiet on the DC front. Didn't see a lot of new things happening. I know everyone else had a pretty super quiet week. It's not like there was any like crazy things for people to watch okay. or discuss. I know what you're talking about. You're talking about the Zack Snyder cut of Who? the Justice League movie. Which? Which dropped this week. What movie? This past week, as of we're recording it, um, we are going to be doing an episode next week with a special guest where we will be discussing that movie. Okay. We may or may not have a special guest. We'll see. We'll have a special guest. I'll find a different special guest if you can't find one. Okay. (laughs) Email us at batmatespodcast at gmail.com if you would like to be on our Snyder Cut episode. Yeah, I know we give... We'd love to have you. We give give Zack Snyder a lot of guff, but uh, we're going to try and get someone on who is a fan. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? We don't have entirely negative things to say. No, no. About the Snyder Cut. But that's for next week. We won't... No teases here. So let's move... Actually, no, one tease, because uh, this comic was written by Gardner Fox. Oh, yes. And uh, there is a quick flash, LOL, pardon the pun, uh, of a truck that says, like, Gardner Fox, I don't know, supermarkets or something. Shipping or... Shipping company. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And we paused it right at that point, because I had to go to the bathroom, and we're like, hey, Gardner Fox, all right, cool, (laughs) we know who that is. Yeah, well, so Gardner Fox was actually the writer for today's comic. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's jump into it. Yeah, we're going to be going over Detective Comics number 356, cover date October 1966, and the title is the inside story of The Outsider. Mm. Writer Gardner Fox, like I said. Penciler was Sheldon Moldov. We got the inker Joe Giella. Letterer Gaspar Saladino. And editor Julia Schwartz. The gang's all here. Gang's all here. So before we start the comic, there's an ad for the 1966 Batman movie, Mm. which I thought was interesting. They were were advertising the movie. Yeah. And we get another ad for it later in the comic, which I'm going to talk a little bit about. I like that. And you know, I like that they do still like advertise movies in the comics today. I love that it just seems like all one lived in world. They're like, hey, if you're enjoying this, maybe go see Wonder Woman 1984. Or, or go watch uh, like, you know, Green Arrow on, on the CW or whatever, you know. Or Snowpiercer for some reason, <laughs> which was a comic book. I didn't realize. Yeah. I don't know if it does it have connections to DC. It was a graphic novel. Uh, it was I don't a French if, graphic novel. I don't know if DC published it. Maybe DC like picked it up and published it in the United States? Maybe. I don't know. I have no we, idea. We, didn't do, we did a lot of research for this episode. We didn't do any of that. We didn't it's research like that. the Persianage or something like that. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, let's go into the comic. You have the play-by-play here. I do. All right. So the comic opens at the stately Wayne Manor as the dynamic duo wishes Aunt Harriet lots of luck at her bridge party tonight. <laughs> they are soon visited by a large delivery truck. However, neither of them remember ordering anything. Mm-hmm. The truck drops off two large boxes. They, they, they speculate that Aunt Harriet might have ordered oh, yes. something and not told them. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. They're like, yeah, maybe she stole somebody's credit card. Or, yeah, yeah, just Did like... Did some drunk ordered... online shopping. I mean, it's a big truck, so they must be like, oh, she ordered, like, uh, furniture, I yeah, guess. a couch. Without telling them. A new car. <laughs> yeah. Aunt Harriet's been in their lives for two weeks and they are, don't trust her. No, this actually... I want to say this is, like, two years after she appeared in the comics. Really? Yeah. The first appearance of Aunt Harriet was in uh, 64. Oh. 
So this this arc that we're doing actually takes place over two years. Wow. And there might be some other comics that we're going to cover within this that have to do with The Outsider, but because The Outsider is only like a voice in those comics, we decided not to cover them. Yeah. Yeah. We would have been talking for a pretty long time yeah, there's like, about this random character. There's like five, five comics where he messes with Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. But he leaves a lasting impact, as we'll say. Yes, he does. Yeah. They are horrified when they open up these boxes, which are emblazoned with their real names on them, uh, Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. And they're horrified when they open the boxes to discover coffins. Their horror is doubled when they open the coffins to see wax figures of Batman and Robin inside. Someone knows their identities and wants them dead. Yeah. And then they come to life. The wax figures come to life. They do. The wax figures creepily rise from their boxes and a recorded voice tells the dynamic duo that they shall be dead in one hour. They then vaporize as they are teleported elsewhere. It's crazy. It is. And and this has to do with, uh, you know, I was talking about how there were other outsider comics that we didn't cover. One of them is one where the outsider brings Batman's gadgets to life mm-hmm. as well. Like he gets the Batmobile to try and like run them over. And it's explained in that comic that the outsider has some sort of like special radioactive dust which covers stuff and allows him to animate it. So it allows him to animate inanimate objects. Exactly. So with one hour left to live, our brave heroes chase down their only lead to the outsider, the delivery men. They somehow manage to catch up to them, the Batmobile, I'm assuming, going about 200 miles an hour, (laughs) and ram right into their truck. So here's my question. Batman is so sure that the delivery drivers will have knowledge of this, but like there's no, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like there's no evidence that that these guys know what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. The outsider just could have handed them boxes and like postmarked them and sent them over. Yeah, he just sent it through like eBay, through Amazon. Exactly, yeah. But I guess we learn in this next panel that we're going to cover that they were in on it. Yeah. (laughs) So the delivery men then rip off their regular clothes, revealing they were hiding grasshopper gang costumes underneath, wings and all. (laughs) And Robin exclaims, holy crickets. (laughs) I was just, I was shook. I was excited after our last episode that covered the grasshopper gang. I was like, they're back. So exciting. Yeah. Very happy about that. Uh, So Batman bends backwards to evade one and punches him right in the face before leaping over him to punch his buddy. And he makes some jokes. Oh, yeah. Quippy Batman, <laughs> Very I, I noted here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's fun to see this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He says, like, don't bug me, grasshopper. And he punches one in the stomach and he says, smack right into the thorax. Yeah. And Robin gets in a couple of quips, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he says he's going to groping. He's like, you're groping for a certain word. And then he's like, I don't have to grope for your feet. Um, and then Robin does this amazing thing where he... Uh, Throws the one guy into the other guy? Is Mm -hmm. that what you're talking about? Yeah, he he grabs his feet and uses him like a baseball bat to swing him right into his buddy. Well, who do they reference? Mickey Mantle. Oh, okay. (laughs) That's right, yeah. Like, like, Mickey Mantle, going for a long one. Yeah, that was really fun. So Robin wants to take the knocked out grasshopper gang to the police, but the heroes only have 40 minutes to live, and they still don't know where the outsider is. So back at the Batcave, with only 20 minutes to go, the dynamic duo talk about how the outsider can control objects using a radiation that they're calling Radiation O, which you referenced earlier. Mm -hmm. Batman uses a machine that looks like a Geiger counter on the coffins, saying they've tested various objects that the outsider has used against them before, but never anything that he's been in contact with so recently. And sure enough, they're able to see a wave band that is unfamiliar to them, Radiation O, or as Robin says, holy squiggles. <laughs> yeah, because it's just like an oscilloscope it is. that goes up and down, and they're like, whoa, we found it. We did it. So then they, they track that with the uh, bat detector, mm-hmm. uh, which is not what you th- what it sounds like, because it does not, in fact, detect bats. Yes, it, it is de- what the Batman uses to detect other things. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Simple, really. So, disturbed, the dynamic duo come to the only theory that explains how the outsider knows so much about them, including their secret identities. Mm -hmm. He must be their dearly departed Alfred. The two head off to find the source of the radiation, but decide to spare a few precious seconds to stop by the cemetery. 
there in the Wayne family mausoleum, which I thought is lovely yeah, that Alfred is in the Wayne family mausoleum. I wrote sweet digs. Alfred yeah. gets buried with his with his people, like his you know the people he served. Yeah, is that a common thing? I feel like that's not common to be buried with the family that you you were like a butler to. Probably not. But it reminded me of like in ancient Egypt when pharaohs would be buried with all their <laughs> slaves. <laughs> I was like, maybe it's like that. Well, so, usually butlers have more than one client, I guess, is, yes. is my thing. So it wouldn't make sense for them to be buried with just one of them. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I am not understanding, though. Yeah. Um, so you're telling me ba- that Alfred died in 1964. Yes. And now it's 1966. Okay. Yes. And they open up his coffin and he's just like... A fresh body? He's just a fresh well, body. That's Alfred. So I think He's this, still there. I think this gets into the whole, like, you know, the superheroes age slower than uh, regular people do. Because although the stories are taking place in, like, they're being published in 64 and 66, Robin is still a teenager. He hasn't aged two years. He's still the same age that he was in 64 as he is in 66. Okay. So it's the the fact that like you know in in continuity because these are published like weekly we can kind of assume that they happen on a on a compressed time scale. I guess. So even though technology moves at the same pace it does in the real world, the the characters themselves age slower. Okay. So the stories take place in a shorter time span than they do than they are published. So maybe it's been like a month since Alfred died? I would say a few months. Maybe maybe a year, I guess, because Aunt Harriet's been with him for a while. If you don't bury a body, does it not decompose? If, like, worms and stuff can't get to it? Well, they explain that in this comic that Alfred's body was frozen, and it wasn't embalmed. It was under refrigeration. Yeah. It wasn't embalmed. Yeah. You know what? This might be explained later by... Perhaps a trip to a particular part of a room. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> um, Maybe his coffin is supposed to be refrigerated and that's what keeps him fresh. Maybe. <laughs> so, uh, yes. They go to the Wayne family mausoleum. They open Alfred's coffin and see that he is still inside and still very much dead. Batman <laughs> even fingerprints him and says he'd know Alfred's fingerprints anywhere. He sounds like a terrible boss. Really? Why? Why would you know your employees' fingerprints anywhere? Doesn't he check them against his crime records? It's He knows them just by looking at them. He's like, yep, those are Alfred's, like, swirls and swirls, whatever they call them. Maybe he has, like, his and Robin's and Alfred's fingerprints on file just in case anybody tries to be an imposter. I guess. Because that's like a thing that happens a lot in comics. I guess. I don't know. It just makes more sense to me that he'd be like, hmm, this like fancy pen that I like went missing and then I found it and look whose fingerprints I see on it. Alfred. (laughs) Alfred, your fingerprints are on my wallet again. You think he knows what Alfred's fingerprints are because he's afraid that Alfred is stealing from him? Mm, Could be. (laughs) Okay. You never know. I just think it would be creepy... Not to give too much personal information away, but I am the leader of a small team. Mm-hmm. I think it would be pretty creepy if I could recognize any of their fingerprints on site. Okay. I would have no reason to. Okay. Okay. But then again, I'm not a superhero. People aren't constantly trying to impersonate uh, my team. Yes. So I hope, maybe, maybe they are. Wouldn't that be fun? Wouldn't that be <laughs> a, I, a spice to life? If I came into work one day and one of them just like didn't know how to do their job and I was like, let me fingerprint you. <laughs> Anywho, we're treated to a flashback of Alfred's death and burial. However, we now see what occurred that very night. Spooky. Misunderstood scientist Brandon Crawford was tracking a rare bug into Gotham Cemetery when he heard a moan of pain coming from inside the mausoleum. There, he discovered Alfred was alive, but barely. Crawford remarks that Alfred was refrigerated instead of embalmed, and he notes that death can deceive even the finest doctors. Come okay. over here, and in my corner, it's Becca's death corner. <laughs> Great. Thanks. Did you want to say something first? Uh, well, <laughs> the scientist, you're not going to get to it yet, but the scientist toots his own horn about his, like, special, uh, his special medicine that he has, and I was like, alternative medicine. He complains about how all the other doctors and scientists don't believe him. Well, I'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> so an article I read on LiveScience.com said that humans will usually die if their body temperature drops below 70 degrees Fahrenheit. However, how long this takes 
uh, will depend on how used they are to the cold and whether they're able to go into a latent form of hibernation, which has been documented. Mm. Uh, in 2006, a Japanese man was rescued after going missing on a mountain for 24 days. When he was found, his organs had shut down, his body temperature dropped to 71 degrees, and his metabolism had slowed to a complete standstill. But he did make a complete recovery. That's crazy. Yeah. So he did what like frogs do in the winter when they like bury themselves and everything shuts down but they can yeah. wake back up or like you know rabbits deer bears yeah. every animal that hibernates yeah so um, dr mark roth a cell biologist in seattle led an experiment in 2005 that induced hibernation in lab mice by having them inhale hydrogen sulfide gas which shut off their metabolic processes and reduced their body temperatures Hours later, they were given oxygen again and came out of hibernation with no adverse effects. And Dr. Roth thinks that hibernation may be a latent ability that all mammals, including humans, potentially have. You think it's like buried deep in our in our genetic code yeah. that we can hibernate? You just need like the exact right conditions to do it. And this Japanese man did it in 2006. And I bet there's other cases that we just like haven't heard about. That's crazy. I have been saying for years that humans should hibernate. Winter is a curse that we all subject ourselves to. But what if we could just hang out and like go to sleep and not have to do too much and just leave our bodies on low power mode while the world was completely uninhabitable and trying to kill us. And you know what? I know what you're gonna say, but Christmas. We can just celebrate Christmas in spring on Jesus's actual birthday. I don't know anyone who actually likes winter. And if you know anyone who actually likes winter, they are a maniac <laughs> and you should not associate with They're them. They're a psychopath. They're a psychopath. And yeah, you know, well, I've heard also that like the reason Californians are the way they are is because they don't experience winter and it makes you like a different person to have to go through that suffering. I just feel like we as a people, as a human race, have progressed past the need to suffer for any reason at all. And winter is just a three months of suffering. And there's nothing good about it. And we shouldn't experience it. And if we can hibernate, I think we should use our scientific, you know, advanced technologies to harness that power within us and just hibernate. Wouldn't you love that? I would just love that. Okay. You know that I'm on board with this because you know how much I love to sleep. Yes. <laughs> but I, my argument here is uh, the economy would crumble. <laughs> So I, we'd all be asleep. The Who government, cares? the government would forcefully stop it from happening because they wouldn't want people to go to sleep for that long. <laughs> Who cares if the economy crumbles if no one is awake to see it? If the economy crumbles <laughs> well, in a forest and no one's around to hear it, doesn't make a sense. But it would, you would only want to hibernate in the winter if you lived in an, in a wintry area, like an uh, area where the winter was cold and uninhabitable. Yeah. In a place like California, they wouldn't shut down. Okay, that's fine. You know what? Anybody in... We could take turns. You know, uh, the, <laughs> the northern hemisphere could hibernate. The southern hemisphere could hibernate later. It's fine. I just don't understand, like, what's the what's the problem if people aren't going out and buying hamburgers for three months. It's fine. I wouldn't mind it at all. Would this increase our lifespan or would we live the same Ooh. amount of time? We'd just be asleep longer. I have no idea. Okay. I just know that I wouldn't have to drag my ass out to my car in February in zero degrees temperature and go to work. And I would love that. And I think you would too. And I think everyone out there would. And if they wouldn't, they're lying to themselves. Are you done ranting? Yes, I'm done ranting. And now I have a note from the editor. Okay. Uh, physics professor, this is direct quote from the comic. There's an editor's note and it says, physics professor Robert Ettinger, author of The Prospect of Immortality, has said that death can only be defined in relative terms. He points to the hundreds of persons revived after drowning, asphyxiation, electrocution, and heart attacks. Quote, biological death depends not only on the state of the body, Ettinger says, but also on the state of of medical art. Hmm. But here's my issue is that Alfred was crushed to death. Like Yeah, by a, a giant boulder. He didn't he suffer like brain damage or broken bones? Well, maybe they healed during his prolonged hibernation. Maybe. Uh just another reason why we should hibernate. My question is how come uh Master Detective Bruce Wayne slash Batman wasn't able to determine that Alfred wasn't dead and that he still had vital signs? They were faint. They okay. Were too faint. It's too faint it's, for 1960s technology to yeah. pick up on. It's like it was like that part in Winter Soldier where Nick Fury was dead, but he had just taken a drug that slowed his heartbeat to one beat per minute. Mm. It's like that. 
Okay. He was just almost there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Do you, can I cover an ad that we uh, passed in in one of these panels? Sure. So so at the end of one of these pages, there's an, another ad for the Batman sixty six movie, along with an advertisement for a newspaper strip. And this is the Batman newspaper strip ran from nineteen forty three to forty six. There was a nineteen fifty three short revival, and then it got revived again in nineteen sixty six and ran till nineteen seventy three. And the 66 to 73, um, that was a lighter, those had lighter stories that were kind of inspired by the television show that was ongoing at the time. And there was actually an editor's note at the end of this comic that we read where, uh, or not an editor's note, but a a message from a fan Mm -hmm. where they were talking about how Robin's character had changed to sort of mimic the television. And they were like, I don't like it when Robin is campy, (laughs) which is funny. This is complete Burt Ward uh, slander, and I won't stand for it on this podcast. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention was that the Batman newspaper comic strip also ran from 89 to 91, and that was a loose sequel to the movie, mm. where the Joker actually lives because he gets dropped in Gotham Harbor instead of, like, falls off of a building, mm-hmm. and that comic features Catwoman, Two-Face, and Mad Hatter. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought it was interesting. Oh, there's also ads for Batman and Superman comics, like big omnibuses. And I think we should add the Alien Superman comic that's shown there to our uh, to our to do list. Like to do list. Because is, is it a world's finest? Yeah, it's a world. I think it's a world's finest. It's a picture of Batman and Robin, and they're fighting a guy who is Superman from the neck down, and then the head up is like a green alien head. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) I love it. Josh is afraid of aliens, by the way. I am. I think it's only fair, if you guys know my worst fear, that you also know Josh's worst fear. Yes. Which is getting abducted by greys. Specifically greys. All other types of aliens don't really bother me that much. It's that uncanny valley-ness of of grey aliens that really gets me. You know, The, like, big eyes and and the, the weird noses and stuff. Yeah. The ones that scare me the most are the men in black. Yeah. Yeah. Hope we get visited by one someday. You hope you get visited, even though you're scared of They're them. They're tall. Oh, it's so creepy. I love it. Look up, look up the real, like not the not the Will Smith movie. Look up <laughs> like the real sightings of Men in Black throughout history. It is fascinating. It'll break your brain. And spoiler alert: uh, one of the people who cited a Man in Black was Dan Aykroyd. Yeah, so, crazy, absolute nut um, job, Dan Aykroyd. Wonderful screenwriter and actor and comic genius, uh, darling of our society, <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. If and you have wonderful not, purveyor of fine vodka. I was going to say, if you have not seen his Crystal Skull <laughs> vodka like commercial, you don't know the depths of his insanity. He's not insanity. You know what? He sees the world clearer than you do. You ever think of that? No, I, I did not think, think of that. You ever give that a thought? I didn't. All right, and about Dan Aykroyd, back to our comic. Yeah, let's talk about this doctor. What's you, his name again? Doctor, is he a doctor? No, he's not. That's right, because you know he, he got kicked out of middle school. Like Victor Frankenstein, <laughs> he did not finish college. So He gets kicked out of medical school. Brendan Crawford decides that he is just the sort of crazy, unorthodox scientist to bring Alfred back to life. And he thinks about how he dropped out of college when he realized he knew more than his professors. Mm. He was scoffed at because his ideas were so ahead of his time, and he was forced to become a recluse. Very, very Victor Frankenstein vibes. However, I think if he was able to stay awake and alive after bringing Alfred back to life, he definitely would have. And none of this would have happened. (laughs) He would have been the beautiful father to him, unlike Victor Frankenstein. So, back in his lab, Crawford does note that Alfred's body is badly damaged, so maybe that's from the rock crushing him, but he's going to use an untested experiment in cell regeneration to bring him back to life. Somehow, when he flips the switch on his machine, both doctor and patient begin to be affected. Alfred transforms into some kind of bulbous white monster, while Crawford, for some reason, transforms into Alfred, and it's never explained why. (laughs) So, just, just remember that Crawford is now Alfred, and Alfred is now this, like... Creature, it's it sort of looks like bumps. It kind of just looks like circles all he's, over he, his body. He's some sort of rock monster. I think that it's it's like the the limited artistic skills of of the comic. Yeah, uh, that they're trying to convey that he looks like a craggly rock. Yeah, I was looking over Josh's shoulder when he was reading the comic, and I was like, "Ooh, polka dot man." <laughs> Yeah, not, he looks like a like polka dot man without any ink. Yeah, I, I guess he he kind of looks like he has craters all over him, or like you said, maybe bumps. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's kind of unclear as to which way they they go in and out of his body. Mm-hmm. 
The white monster says he doesn't want to save Batman and Robin. He wants to kill them. He is outside the human race, and therefore he decides to call himself the Outsider. So, yeah, he doesn't have much motivation other than that he makes mention that the machine's doing has twisted his mind in reverse. Yeah. Which doesn't make any sense also. Yeah. The fact that him and Alfred switched... Or, sorry. The fact that... The, the non-doctor mm-hmm. <laughs> scientist Crawford. Crawford and Alfred has switched bodies doesn't make any sense. The fact that his mind has been quote unquote twisted in reverse doesn't make any sense. No, it absolutely doesn't. This is all sci-fi mumbo jumbo that is like a perfect, a perfect view of what the Silver Age is all about. Crawford also stays knocked out and like seemingly dead yeah for however long this has been months years whatever in yeah. alfred's tomb uh, if you haven't put it together yet he's the one who batman fingerprints yeah he's the one who's still in the mausoleum yes alfred decides to put crawford alfred back into his coffin so that no one suspects anything is amiss he then vows to use his increased mental power to destroy the dynamic duo mm-hmm. back to the present uh, the dynamic duo arrive at the outsider's lair and they can see inside there's like some machines and Robin gets his last holy with holy computers of this issue. <laughs> uh, they have tracked down the source of the radiation O with two minutes left on their clocks. They break a window coming face to face with the outsider. Robin tries to knock him out, but is taken out pathetically by an x-ray machine that the outsider sends hurling at him with mental control. Yeah, so this pretty neat power set that he has. So he has, it's basically telekinesis, but it's by way of touch. So anything that he's touched has this special radiation on it, which allows him to move it. Mm-hmm. As Batman pummels the outsider, he sees Robin beginning to transform into a coffin. Batman puzzles out that the Outsider touched the coffins, and they touched the coffins as well, meaning the Outsider can control them with one of his machines. And that's why Robin is turning into a coffin. So knowing time is running out, Batman has one chance to find the machine that will shut off his imminent death. The world's greatest detective figures it out in no time and shuts it off with one of those annoying panels that's like, he figured it out, can you? And no, I can't. I'll wait until you give me the answer. (laughs) Uh, Furious, the Outsider vows to kill him once and for all, but with one swift punch he is knocked against the regeneration machine and the lever is pulled the outsider slowly fades back into alfred and tells batman his whole story before the memory of the outsider fades away batman vows to never tell the real alfred the truth fearing that knowing about his evil acts would kill the poor man and just break his little heart yeah so the like while the outsider is changing back into alfred it's kind of explained that he's losing the memories that he had as the outsider Mm -hmm. um and so as as soon as the transformation into alfred is fully complete he lost all those memories from like when he died to when he's been been brought back yeah luckily robin is now back to normal as well with Mm -hmm. no explanation why (laughs) the machine just reversed it uh sci-fi deus ex machina literally a a machine (laughs) batman fills him in on the details they rescue crawford from the mausoleum and batman offers him a position as head scientist for the old alfred memorial foundation whose name will now be changed to the wayne foundation and crawford exclaims that he will now be accepted at last which is exciting yeah i'm glad that he had a little happy listen you're a crack scientist to transform my butler into an evil into an evil monster helmet he on killing me. But if he had done that, then Alfred would have I don't know Perished. eventually suffocated and died. In the yeah okay yeah okay. wouldn't that be crazy? It would have been yes. <laughs> uh, so. Batman reveals the answer to the superfluous puzzle of what machine would be the one that returned them back to normal, which was that it was the only machine in the room with two dials, and they were marked for double death. And at one point, Alfred said something about doubles, so, okay. Sure. <laughs> whatever. You know what? Sure. Fine. What, whatever, Gardner Fox. Whatever. There's, like, three panels left. I don't care. <laughs> back at home, Aunt Harriet is distraught that she won't be useful anymore, and she'll be forced out of the home. Okay, okay. So they come back, and they're like, hey, look, Alfred's getting better. We're, we never get to see the conversation where they, where Aunt Harriet learns that Alfred is getting better from being dead. Yeah. <laughs> because she literally, she, she shows up in that first comic where Alfred dies and is like, I heard Alfred died. You guys need somebody to take care of you. It's like that uh, Monty Python... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got better. I got better. It's like... She turned me into a newt. <laughs> I got better. He's like, he literally died, and and Aunt Harriet is, instead of being like, 
why is he not dead anymore? She's like, oh, I guess you won't need me anymore. And then Alfred was like, I'm not dead yet. <laughs> it's bizarre. We never it get is. to see the conversation. Like, is it Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson who are like, hey, a scientist brought Alfred back to life? Yeah, I mean, Or maybe. is it Batman and Robin who show up with him and they're like, you know, hey, we caught the outsider. It was actually Alfred. Or no, they never explained to Aunt Harriet that the outsider was Alfred because Aunt Harriet wouldn't know anything about the outsider. Aunt Harriet doesn't know that they're Batman and Robin. Yeah, I know that. But I'm, I'm saying like Batman and Robin can still show up and talk to Aunt Harriet oh. as Batman and Robin. I guess. Explaining Alfred's disappearance? Maybe. I, I want to know who explained Alfred's disappearance and, and... You know what? I bet it was on the news. <laughs> <laughs> you think? Yeah. You think I bet Batman and Robin went on the news. The, They're like, look, we caught this guy who's been tormenting the city for months. And we caught him. And actually, he had Alfred locked up and he didn't die. Isn't that great? <laughs> don't ask where the outsider is now. We don't know. He, <laughs> he's locked up. I, he died. I don't know. There's, there's he a lot. He died in the ensuing struggle, but we certainly didn't kill him. This whole comic has a lot that never gets explained. That's okay. And it's absolutely bizarre. Good job, Gardner Fox. <laughs> yeah, really. We liked it. This was again, again. This was this whole comic is like just a Deus Ex Machina for them to be like, oh uh, yeah, we got to bring back Alfred because fans really liked him. <laughs> yeah, I did. <laughs> so yes, Anne Harriet's distraught. She won't be useful anymore. But Bruce insists that she stay, and Alfred lets her know that her cooking will speed his recovery. Domesticity, and actually, no. Dick gets one more holy in there. He goes holy relations, <laughs> and Aunt Harriet speeds off to make a celebratory meal for everyone. Wonderful. The end. Ba ba ba. Moral of the story: uh, Always make sure that somebody's dead. Take a pulse. You know, <laughs> hook him up to an EKG or whatever. Uh, I don't know. Slap them around a couple times. Make sure they're really dead. Get a really... Do it how, uh, doctor... Not doctor. Now doctor. Maybe. He's an honorary doctorate. Uh, Crawford did it. And get a special machine that lets you hear bugs. And you'll be able to hear someone moaning in pain. If they're not really dead. That's how you do it. This whole comic is absolutely wild. I I hope that our listeners were were with us the whole time. Oh, I know they were. You guys are smart. (laughs) Joshua. Yes. Would you say that Alfred is a resilient fellow? Yes, I would. Mm-hmm. Alfred is quite the resilient fellow. Tell, tell me about him. Well, so since uh, this comic, I counted 15 wow. non-canon deaths. Oh. Plus one canon death and one death of an alternate version of Alfred okay. <laughs> in the comic. Hmm. So... You can punch him, but he won't stay down. Yeah. Okay. Um, (laughs) Thanks to Alex Jaffe for this list that was posted on DC's uh, website. In 1986, in Batman The Dark Knight Returns, Alfred dies of a stroke after setting Wayne Manor on fire. In 1994, in the Batman The Darkest Night, where Batman becomes a Green Lantern, Sinestro goes into the Batcave and kills Alfred. Uh, Also in 1994, there's a Batman Shadow of the Bat annual issue where Killer Moth throws a bomb at Alfred. And this one, weirdly, isn't canon, even though the Shadow of the Bat stuff was canon. Mm. I guess the annual was like an Elseworlds tale or something. Okay. Odd. Um, In 1997, in Batman Dark Knight Dynasty, which is a story about a centuries-long conspiracy against the Wayne family, Alfred dies when he enters the wrong password on a laptop, and the laptop explodes. I want to hear more about this conspiracy against the Waynes. Is it by, like, the Cobblepots, or, like, the... It's definitely not by the Cobblepots, because the, the story takes place in three different eras, and one of them is, like, the Knights of the Templar. It takes Ooh. place in, like, the, the 1100s. That's cool. <laughs> I want to read that. Okay. Um, okay, so that was Dark Knight Dynasty. In 1998, in the Batman Crimson Mist... Uh, he offers his own life to sacrifice, <laughs> wait, he offers his own life as a sacrifice to vampire Batman. Okay. So, so in this one, Batman becomes a vampire. Of course. Uh, in it's 1998. 19- of course he's a vampire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks, Anne Rice. In 1999, in Batman and Superman Generations, he off-screen dies of old age. Uh, that's a comic that goes through, like, multiple eras, uh, and just shows, like, you know, how they go through the decades. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2004's Teen Titans, Titans Tomorrow storyline, they enter, the, the Teen Titans enter an alternate reality where they travel 10 years into their own future, and 
it is said that he is that Alfred is killed off screen by Joker's daughter Duella. Do you know whose actual daughter she is? Uh, yes, she is Harvey Dent's actual daughter. I like that. Um, yeah, this one is weird because I think Tim Drake becomes Batman in this alternate timeline because mm-hmm. you get to see again. It's like ten years of the Titans' future, and they've disbanded mm. and become different superheroes. And there's an episode of the Teen Titans television show that has a similar concept. Yeah, I love that episode. Yeah, it's pretty where cool. Starfire like gets thrown into a uh, future, and she finds Beast Boy. He's like in a circus, and he's all fat, and he just like per- he like changes into animals like, yeah, it's, as a, a parlor trick. It's like without Starfire, they sort of all drift apart yeah. and then they, you like get to see where they would have gone. But then she meets Nightwing and they have kind of like a little, a little something going on. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> okay. Um, in two, 2010's Batman Beyond, it's noted that he is dead, likely of old age, because mm. um, that takes place, like, I want to say 30 years in the future of whatever mainline continuity is. Yeah, I talked about that in the last episode, that okay. he, like, dies in, like, 2019. Yeah, well, that was in the in the television show. This mm-hmm. was the, like, comic book canon of Alfred is dead in the Batman Beyond universe. I see. Um, in 2011's Flashpoint, The Outsider... Um, he is killed off screen when he's working undercover for another guy that's named the outsider who I'm going to go over later. Okay. Um, and he's beheaded by the Amazon. Oh no. So I don't know if you know a ton about the Flashpoint. I, you probably watched the movie, right? Yeah. I know so enough about Flashpoint. In that universe, the Amazons and the Atlanteans are fighting. Yeah. Uh, because uh, it's something like Arthur... Um, the Aquaman sleeps with Wonder Woman. Yes. And so his wife gets upset about it and they start fighting each other. That's exactly it. Okay. Also in the Flashpoint universe, Thomas Wayne is Batman. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So he's beheaded by the Amazons in that one. In 2014, in the Damien Son of Batman, uh, comic, he is, he dies of old age he holds on long enough to save Damien from a series of otherwise fatal injuries. This is uh, Damien Wayne, son of Batman. We haven't covered him because he's not a Silver Age character. Yes. But yeah, he's, he's... The most recent Robin. The most recent Robin, the offspring of Bruce Wayne and Talia al Ghul. Um, if Damien is to be believed in this version of the continuity, Alfred's soul is transferred upon his death into Damien's pet cat. I love it. <laughs> In the 2016 Injustice Gods Among Us comic, um, it is revealed that Victor Zaz has killed Alfred. Uh, Although it should be noted that in the Injustice 2 comics, Damian Wayne makes use of a Lazarus pit to revive Alfred. There's always a Lazarus pit. (laughs) That's, you know what? Maybe they could have just told Anne Harriet, like, hey, Alfred's back. A Lazarus pit, you know. (laughs) Don't worry about it. Well, no, because um, Ra's al Ghul does not get introduced into the comics until, like, the end of the Bronze Age. He does Wow. Now, yeah. <laughs> That's why we can't cover him. Yeah. Um, Someday. In 2017's Batman the Murder Machine, Bane kills him by breaking his back Nightfall style. He only has one move. Yeah, Bane, Bane breaks into the Batcave and, like, breaks Alfred's back. Um, in the comic book Nightwing The New Order, which was also in 2017, uh, it's this alternate continuity where superpowers are outlawed and Nightwing is uh, one of the people who hunts them down and Alfred is killed by a police officer when he's trying to fight back during a raid at the Grayson residence when Dick's son Jake, uh, who has superpowers, is being like abducted by the police. Mm. Okay, (laughs) I only got a couple more. In 2018's Batman White Knight, uh, he dies of McGregor Syndrome, which is the disease which affects him in the Batman and Robin movie. (laughs) And in 2019's Deceased, capital D, capital C-E-A-S-E-D, Captain Adam is infected by the anti-life equation, which is like a mind control thing that happens in the DC universe. And uh, because he's like an atomic superhero, he levels Washington, D.C. and kills everyone in it, including Alfred. Mm. And that is the last of the Alfred deaths, except for his new 52 death, which you're going to cover. It's actually Rebirth. Which is, sorry, Rebirth, <laughs> which is which is canon. Yes. So these ev- everything I mentioned was non-canon. The only ones that are canon are the Silver Age one that we've covered and the one that you're going to cover in your recap. Yep. 
But before we go forward, we must go back. <laughs> this is Alfred's history post being the outsider. We covered everything before the outsider comic. In the first, uh, episode, in the first episode, if you didn't hear it, go back and listen to it. And this is the rest of it. Upon returning to his normal life and duties, Alfred aids the dynamic duo in many ways, including capturing the penguin using a trusty umbrella, ironically. <laughs> that's a fun comic. We might cover that one in a future episode. Oh, that's cool. Eventually, his outsider persona returns and overtakes him once again and tries to murder Batman and Robin. However, his subconscious as Alfred is still able to leave clues for him to evade the attack. And after they are seemingly killed, the alter ego disappears from Alfred's mind permanently. Quote, unquote. Alfred's extended family, a brother named Wilfred and a niece named Daphne, make an appearance later. However, they are being blackmailed by a corrupt theater troupe, and Daphne is forced to steal an original Shakespeare manuscript from Bruce Wayne. Alfred and Batman work together to save his family. Um, I do want to note, this is not a, like, first folio, which is, like, a real thing that exists in the world. There's, like, I don't know, 700 copies or something. You can find them in libraries... Uh, all over the world you have to use like special gloves to touch it because like the paper is so thin that's mm -hmm. like the first published shakespeare plays is the first folio um what bruce has is romeo and juliet written in the bard's own hand which i'm pretty sure is not a real artifact because <laughs> if it was there would be no such thing as an authorship question about uh shakespeare <laughs> none of his i don't think there's anything like written in his own hand we, we've seen that uh, the comic writers play pretty fast and loose with historical uh, facts. Yeah. Also, this comic is really fun, and we might actually read this one, too. Uh, Alfred's niece, Julia, is... Not Julia, sorry. That's somebody else we'll cover later. Alfred's niece, Daphne, is really pretty, and she's playing Juliet in this theater troupe's uh, production of Romeo and Juliet, and she and Dick start, like, reenacting it, and then he's like, I love you, and she's like, oh my god, we're just acting. What the hell? <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> You're just, saying that Dick gets showmance? Yeah. No, literally, they're only together for like five minutes and they're doing the balcony scene and Dick's just like, I love you. I'm in love with you. And she's like, gross. <laughs> it's really funny. Well, let's let's be honest here. Bruce Wayne did not prepare Dick for uh, like not. adult relationships. So Dick then goes to college uh, where Bruce and Alfred then move into the penthouse of the Wayne Foundation building where Alfred gives Batman remote assistance on his missions. At a surprise party organized for Bruce, Alfred is hit in the head, again, triggering the return of the outsider. <laughs> Wonderful. He travels to New York City and becomes obsessed with trying to defeat Man-Bat, even gathering a costume gang that he calls the Sunset Gang to take him on. Outsider then lures both Robin and Batgirl to New York City to defeat them as well. However, they're all kind of working together. Batman, not Batman, uh, Robin, Man-Bat, and Batgirl working together. And they work together to have one of Alfred's own weapons attack him, which then separates Alfred from the outsider. And once separated, Alfred is able to defeat this, like, physical embodiment of the outsider once and for all. <laughs> Again. <laughs> Sometime later, Alfred is poisoned with an explosive chemical by the Joker. Batman forces Joker to give up some of his blood containing the antidote so he can perform a life-saving transfusion. So some of Joker's blood is coursing through Alfred's veins. Ooh. Interesting. Interesting. Right. Ooh, Joker venom. Uh, Alfred is later reunited with a long-lost daughter. This girl's name is Julia. Julia Remark. She travels with uh, Alfred to Montreal to solve the mystery of her adopted father's murder. Hmm. During this investigation, the two are attacked by Deadshot, who, once captured by Batman, reveals that he was hired by Julia's adopted father, Jacques, to kill them. <gasps> so, Julia's father, maybe not dead. Julia and Alfred track down Deadshot's associates, where they learn that they were just using Jacques' name as a decoy, and he has truly been dead all along. Hmm. Alfred then comforts his daughter and vows to be a real father to her. Julia actually moves into Wayne Manor following this adventure, but she doesn't use her father's surname as her own. And when Alfred opens up to her and tells her that, you know, it's really important to him that they have this real father-daughter connection, she starts going by Julia Pennyworth. Alfred then tries to play matchmaker between her and Bruce, uh, but Julia eventually gives up on the playboy. <laughs> it uh, does not go well for their relationship. <laughs> After Crisis on Infinite Earths, Alfred's existence and history are completely altered, and he is an entirely new person. Okay. So, 1985. On New Earth, Alfred was born Alfred Beagle, 
and served under MI7. After a mission, he's forced to retire to the U.S. and adopt a new identity. He then becomes Alfred Pennyworth and starts working for the Waynes to carry on the family tradition of butlering, uh, which was his father's dying wish. Mm -hmm. After the death of Thomas and Martha, Alfred and Leslie Tompkins acted as Bruce's guardians until he left Gotham at age 14. Alfred and Leslie grew close during this time and actually had a romantic relationship for a while. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Uh, If you read Nightfall, they actually see sort of like they casually see each other throughout Nightfall. Interesting. Yeah. Leslie Tompkins, a uh, doctor friend of Bruce's um, father. Yes. Uh, watch the Batman the Animated Series episode, Appointment in Crime Alley, for one of the best Leslie Tompkins stories you'll ever see. One of the best Batman stories you'll ever see. Yeah. I love you, Paul Dini. Please come <laughs> on the podcast. <laughs> That'd be great. Uh, during the events of... Frank Miller's year one, Alfred helps Bruce by tending to his wounds after his very first outing. When Lieutenant Gordon visits Wayne Manor to inquire about this Batman, Alfred helps Bruce disguise himself as a self-absorbed playboy to create doubt that he'd have anything to do with the vigilante attacking Gotham's mob. Mm-hmm. Alfred plays an important role in Dick Grayson's transition to becoming Robin, befriending him, and acting as a father figure. Alfred also goes to extreme lengths to keep tabs on Tony Zuko, the man who murdered Dick's parents. For 11 years, Alfred appears at every single parole hearing that Zuko has and asks the parole board to keep him locked up. He never once tells Bruce or Dick that he's doing this. Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy. I love it. He's so dedicated. He is so dedicated. That's yeah. so... I mean, I want to say nice, but like keeping him man in jail <laughs> well he murdered dick's parents that's true so. i mean yeah, yeah yeah it was nice of him to, to do that for dick i think also on the flip side he was probably keeping him in prison long enough that you know dick would grow into his identity as robin and not like as soon as he's released from prison be like i'm gonna murder him i'm to murder <laughs> so that's also probably twofold Alfred has a direct impact on Tim Drake's journey to taking on the Robin mantle. After Dick brings Tim to Wayne Manor, Alfred learns that Tim had deduced everything about Batman and Robin. And once Dick is captured by Two-Face, Alfred allows Tim to get in the costume and takes him to Batman's location. After capturing Two-Face, Alfred convinces Bruce to let Tim be the new Robin. Uh, After Batman is broken in half by Bane in Nightfall, Alfred leads Tim and a character named Jean-Paul Valet to rescue Batman from the streets, disguised as paramedics. Alfred does what he can in the Batcave, but he knows Batman will be paralyzed for life. Alfred and Tim actually wreck one of Bruce's cars and arrange for Dr. Kinsloving to come to Wayne Manor under the guise that Bruce has injured himself in that car accident. So they create that cover. Oh, that's really cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, For some time, Alfred watches Bruce destroy himself with investigations instead of resting following his injury. This leads to him resigning because he doesn't want to stay and watch Bruce kill himself. Dick later tracks him down to England and convinces him to come back and be a part of the Bat family once more. Mm. After Gotham is declared no man's land, Alfred watches the city for weeks while Batman is missing. During the storyline, Alfred even has a rare on-panel fight. In a scene with some slavers. Oh, yeah, interesting. He gets a little, little fighting action. Yeah, No Man's Land is where Gotham is hit by a giant earthquake mm-hmm. and the entire city is thrown into, like, anarchy. Yes. So this starts now, uh, I skipped some things, but we're going to move on to New 52, uh, which starts with the fantastic Court of Owls storyline, which chronicles one of Bruce's first mysteries as he attempts to solve the murder of his parents. Following the flimsy lead that the fabled Court of Owls may be involved in their deaths, Bruce becomes trapped in an abandoned building for days. Alfred feverishly tracks him down and saves his life. Alfred later sends Bruce to the Arkham Rehabilitation Home for Boys when he becomes obsessed with the idea of killing the man who murdered his parents. Wow. I know. Bruce then leaves home at age 18 and returns at age 25 with the idea to become a vigilante, which Alfred reluctantly agrees to help him with. Mm-hmm. In the death of the family storyline, which is different from the death, death in, in the, the family, family, which is where Jason is killed, death of the family in New 52, Alfred is kidnapped and poisoned with Joker venom. He then takes on a Joker-like appearance with white skin and a painful smile. Mm. And he's able to overcome the poison through sheer force of will until Batman is able to like properly cure him, but he like stops being evil just by like sort of forcing himself to like regain control of himself. That's interesting. It and is. that's going to that's going to be pretty close to another version of him that I have to cover. Yeah. Uh, later, Alfred's hand is chopped off by the Joker when he infiltrates the Batcave. Uh, Batman and the Joker then destroy each other in the caves beneath Gotham, and Alfred, in mourning, refuses to have his hand reattached, saying there is nobody left to mend anymore. Oh. I know, it's so sad. <laughs> um, however, of course, Bruce comes back. (laughs) Bruce is resurrected 
without his memories. Uh, and Alfred tries to protect Bruce from any reminder of his former identity. So, like, every time anybody from, like, the Bat Family or Justice League, like, comes around to be like, hey, remember your Batman? He's like, no, go away, go away, go away. He's let him live a normal life. Um, he is now unburdened by the death of his parents, and he just wants him to live as a normal person for once. And at this point, uh, Jim Gordon is actually taking up the mantle of Batman. So, like, Gotham has a Batman. Everything's fine. Everything's oh, being taken care crazy. of. that's crazy. And Bruce can just be normal. Uh, Bruce, however, uses a machine to regain his memories. Oh, boy. And Alfred returns to his side with a mechanically, medically reattached right hand. I'm actually not sure if it's a robot hand or a real hand. No, I think it's his real hand. It's just using medical science, he now has his new hand. <laughs> uh, Alfred then, here is the canon death. R.I.P. Alfred gets his neck broken by Bane in front of Damien. Uh, Joker then digs up his corpse and revives him into a zombie-like state. Joker uses zombie Alfred to distract Batman during their final confrontation at Ace Chemicals. And during the battle, Ace Chemicals' building explodes, returning Alfred to a regular corpse. And he is later reburied by Uh. Bruce and the Bat family. So, and, and that's the that's in Joker War, which is like yeah. one of the most recent Batman storylines. So Alfred yet to return. However, the Lazarus pits are always bubbling. <laughs> so you never know when he might return. And we have this whole uh, Infinite Frontier thing going on where they're playing with multiverses again. So yeah. who knows? They're probably going to reboot everything, and and he's going to come back. <laughs> probably. I hope so. I love Alfred. Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about the outsider. So the the mantle of the outsider, you pretty much covered every single time that it's been held by Alfred in mainline continuity. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about a couple other uh, interesting times that there has been a character called the outsider. So before the new Fifty Two was created in the Flashpoint timeline, uh, an Indian woman has a baby who has rock-like features, uh, rock-like skin, and glowing eyes. And this boy grows up in an orphanage after he's rejected by his father and is named by the orphanage Michael Desai. He runs away from the orphanage at age six. He builds a political and business empire. And being nearly indestructible, he nearly kills Black Adam and ends up completely killing Martian Manhunter. Mm. Um, He tries to save the world with Cyborg um, when the war is raging between the Atlanteans and the Amazonians, like I was talking about earlier. And his fate is kind of left um, unfinished. He's a character who shows up. He messes around in the Flashpoint universe, but things get fixed by the Flash before there's any sort of conclusion to his story Mm. um in the earth three continuity so uh in rebirth the waynes have two sons on earth three they have two sons there's bruce and they have their his older brother thomas wayne jr Mm. now thomas and bruce conduct concoct a plan to murder their parents oh my god but as they're carrying it out, this is like sort of the fateful meeting in Crime Alley, mm-hmm. but it's Thomas Wayne Jr. who has the gun. Oh my God. And <clears throat> uh, Bruce has second thoughts when they're doing it. So he starts fighting with Thomas Wayne Jr. Alfred is there and finishes the job oh God. and kills uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Oh my God. And Thomas kills his younger brother, Bruce. <gasps> Which he later has um, regrets about. When did this storyline take place? This was in New 52 slash Rebirth continuity. Okay. This is after the Menendez brothers. And this is this is on Earth 3. So this is the Earth that has like the crime syndicate with Ultraman and Owlman, who is, is Thomas, Thomas Wayne, Wayne Jr. Jr. Yes. I see. Evil. So, yeah. He, so Thomas Wayne Jr. becomes Owlman. Um, and Alfred assists him just like Alfred assists Batman in, in this continuity. Um, let's see. During an attack by Earth-3's Joker, Alfred saves Owlman by shooting Joker's hand, but Joker is able to retaliate by dosing him with Joker poison, kind of similar to the storyline you were talking about. And uh, while Owlman is able to find a cure, it's not a complete cure because it leaves Alfred permanently uh, dyed like a grayish white mm. and with an uncontrollable laugh that mm. he, he, he can barely control. He can't. So he's Creepy. he's still under the effects of the Joker toxin, but he, he's not going to die from it. Okay. Um, and this is leads to <clears throat> him becoming the outsider because 
when the crime syndicate of Earth-3 is faced with a threat to their own universe, they try to relocate to another dimension, to another Earth. Um, They travel, they begin to travel to Earth-1, but Alfred is one of two people to make it through. Mm. Um, and, And... so he, he gives himself this name of the outsider because he's from outside of that dimension. Sure. So when they travel to Earth Prime, I want to say, okay. is the New 52, like, main Earth. Okay. Um, he manipulates the secret society of supervillains to seize Pandora's box, which is a real magic item in the DC universe. Sure. And uses it to open a portal to Earth 3 to let the rest of the crime syndicate back in, back <laughs> oh, through. No. And they fight with the regular Justice League. Okay. Um, and they also fight with um, the secret society of supervillains who are joined together to help save their own Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, and because of this, he is eventually stabbed to death by Black Manta. Mm. <laughs> Alfred is? Alfred is. Are they in the ocean when he does it? No, they're actually in the Justice League Watchtower. Oh. Like the ruins of the Justice League Watchtower that Alfred is still in. There's also something interesting. Um, Owlman captures the Prime Earth Nightwing okay. and keeps him because he had a, a Dick Grayson, although... <laughs> In in Earth Three, Owlman has he personally kills Dick Grayson's parents, of course, in order to give him the trauma to become Robin. Oh God! <laughs> you love to see it. You love you love creativity until you know? until until uh, Dick Grayson finds out and like leaves him and gets killed. Oh <laughs> so God. he's like upset about that. So he thinks that he can take Prime Earth's Dick Grayson and like allow him to become his new protege. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have the same baggage, so <laughs> might actually be a good idea. I actually don't know how that whole storyline wraps up. I'm assuming that the, the Justice League gets rid of the crime syndicate. Good, good bet. <laughs> Worth mentioning that uh, in DC's uh, Infinite Frontier that they're running right now, they're actually doing a, a six-part miniseries about the crime syndicate from Earth 3. Mm-hmm. Um, That's the one with Suicide Squad, right? Uh, no, you're thinking of the future state one, which oh. also takes on place on Earth 3, okay. where the Suicide Squad goes to Earth 3 to get Amanda Waller from Earth Prime, who's gone to Earth 3 to make her own Justice League. Okay. <laughs> it's absolutely wild. All you need to know is that the Earth 3 version of the superheroes are bad. Yeah. They're the bad guys. That's the one with Ultraman. That's a, it's Ultraman and Owlman and I want to say Superwoman and I forget what the name of the Flash knockoff is. No. But, uh, yeah. Reverse Flash. <clears throat> is it Reverse Flash? No, it's no, something it's else. Not. It's, <laughs> it's like, absolutely not. It's like thun- Thunderbolt or Speed. It's not Speed. This is not a Flash podcast. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh... The only other note that I have is uh, that as far as I can tell, there's a superhero team in the DC Comics called The Outsiders, and I couldn't find any relation to The Outsider, the character, and The Outsiders, the team. It seems like it's just sort of a coincidence or one of those things where DC has naming conventions that they like to stick to to reference other things. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's no direct connection between the outsiders, the team, and the outsider, the character. Except for the fact that occasionally Alfred has talked to members of the outsiders. Yeah. That's it. To make it even more confusing. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Um, Yeah. If you want to learn more about The Outsiders, watch season three of Young Justice. I am very sorry. I'm, if you've stuck with us this long, I commend you. Yeah. Because DC Comics lore is so complicated. Listen, if you could sit through four hours of the Snyder Cut, you can listen to 58 minutes of us rambling on about various times that Alfred has died and (laughs) become the outsider and all of if you can understand anything about the new gods and the anti-life equation then you can understand earth three and the crime syndicate so goodness actually if you're looking for a good uh a good movie about the crime syndicate there is a animated movie called a crisis on two earths which explains earth three and the crime syndicate really it's well so good. it is really good aren't they also in a lego game the oh yeah yeah in um lego batman villains super villain yeah sorry it's lego dc super villains yeah. is the name of the game um yeah they the crime syndicate comes and they have to be fought off by the super villains it's good 
Yeah. We played that game. We did play that game. That's fun. It is a fun game. Yeah. Well, moral of the story, carve out a good four hours of your week to watch the Snyder Cut so that you can be prepared for the next episode. Uh, <laughs> we watched it in three sittings, which I think is a good way to do it. Yeah. It's four hours long, so don't... I, I highly recommend you don't sit and watch it all in one go, but if you are, take breaks at the axe. You know what I'd like to do for you if we rewatch it is why why would we ever rewatch it um you know see everything we missed i want to put it at 1.5 speed <laughs> which would make it like around the size of like a long movie um and just sort of like see how it flows with that because you know what he, zach loves his slow, slow motion. motion yeah there is a lot of slow motion shots in that it. i kind of want to see okay listen we're talking about this this is not what we should be talking about, but I kind of want to see what it would look like if somebody took it and actually pared it down. Took all the Snyder, like, shots that he made and cut it down to, like, a, a normal length movie. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like you would miss a whole lot, which is... Maybe. Why Maybe. we didn't like it the first... Let, we didn't like the Justice League the first time we'll, around. We'll, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about we'll it. We'll talk about it next week. I want to thank everyone again for sticking with us through this confusing uh, romp through Alfred's many appearances, many deaths, and uh, different continuities mm -hmm. to, to learn about the, the character. Yeah, it was a great arc. Maybe we'll do some more in the future. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to cover the one where the outsider uh, animates the Batmobile to come and fight Robin, because I think that's an absolutely ridiculous and wild story. Yeah. When you least expect it, we'll have more outsider content for you. Mm -hmm. uh, well, thank you for listening to Batmates. Again, we really appreciate it. You can follow us on Twitter now, uh, at Batmates. And you can email us, uh, batmatespodcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear your feedback. And also, you can give us five stars on Apple Podcasts. And if you do that, we will read your review on air. We would love to hear anything you guys want to tell us. Uh, I will say we will only read five-star reviews, so please don't leave us a bad review thinking it'll get you on the show, because it won't. We'll, it'll just make me cry. It will. <laughs> so don't do that. Save your save your criticisms for our emails. Just yeah. send them to our email. Just send us an email. And if you phrase your feedback in a nice, constructive way, we will probably listen to it. Yeah. We're pretty good at getting feedback, I would say. I, I think we are. I think so. Uh, yeah, so until next time, we've been the Batmates. And we hope you have a good week. And yep. just remember that uh, we do live in a society. And no one can tell you otherwise. Goodbye, everyone.